founder of Cargo. It's all going to be okay. Launched in 2000 and hustled like heck for about a decade before seeing real traction. Now it's over 300 folks between New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, London, Sydney, many other places. Totally bootstrapped. They have 96% penetration on the top publishers across about 300 properties who publish about 60 to 70 uh, major publications. Uh, almost all of the Fortune 1000 largest advertisers use them as well. 20, about 20% of the revenue comes from a tech SaaS model to publishers. The rest comes from their kind of direct spend cut they take where they have almost, they had about 100% year over year growth from 2000 to 2015 when they passed 100 million bucks in total monies processed through their platform. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 units sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This database, I keep it to myself. It's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. This is episode 798. Coming up tomorrow morning, the CEO of Lead Crunch, Alan Hyde joins me. And he breaks down how he grew to $200,000 in monthly recurring revenue with 7 million raised on a 7 million, sorry, with 2 million raised at a $7 million cap. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Harry Kargman. He's a passionate entrepreneur who bootstrapped Cargo over 17 years into the leading mobile brand advertising marketplace. He's obsessed with art, design, and New York and is helping steward the Ad Council on the partnership for New York. Harry, are you ready to take us to the top? Sure, absolutely. Thanks so, so much for having me. Yeah, so we're researching this, and I go to your website, and I see like this black leather glove on a female hand holding a Chinese kind of a cup of coffee. I'm going, this is going to be a fun interview. 100%. What do you do? So Cargo is the largest brand advertising company for mobile. Our whole focus is high-end, beautiful brand creatives that run on the best places. Those places are NBC, CBS, Hearst, Time Inc. And the vision is where TV used to be the place for brand advertising or Times Square or print. All the world has moved to mobile. And if you can replicate a great high-end brand creative can run on the mobile device, then you really sort of win in the next generation world. So from a business model perspective, should we look at this like, I mean, you're an agency essentially? It's not so much an agency, but a technology company. We're a platform. If you think about it, a mobile site or app doesn't actually have ad inventory. There's no mm -hmm. such thing. You can send an eight and a half by 11 page to a print magazine and they can print it. If you actually try to send an eight and a half by 11 print ad and send it to a, basically a mobile site, how do they actually even put it on there? It doesn't exist. And so how do you build technology that will make that mobile experience on that site look beautiful, look high end? Actually, that's a really hard technology plumbing problem. So you've Start built that. 
and we built that. We have like a, we have a, about a hundred engineers and product people and design people in our product organization, and their entire focus is how do you create a high-end brand ad experience and be able to inject that from a technological perspective with the right data and the right targeting and and even just being able to render that on the page in the right way so that it works every time uniformly across all the myriad different sites and apps of the major media publishers. They all have different technology on their end. So to get something to work uniformly across all of those places is pretty much impossible. Do you so have to have buy-in from them to do it? Like does Hearst and Time Inc. have to install a JavaScript snippet, things like that? That's exactly right. It's actually exactly a JavaScript snippet or our SDK if it's basically an app. And it requires not only signing an agreement with them, but they have to buy into the technology framework. They've got to buy into the vision because this is obviously going to affect their pages and change how it renders and what it looks like for the consumer. Um, and they have to buy in that you're basically a unique solution that will solve a major problem for them from a monetization perspective as well. And if once you get that buy in across the board, then you can scale. And so it's been, that's why it's taken 17 years. It's like for the first eight of it, to even have the credibility that they're going to actually allow you to do this is really hard. And then once you've actually gotten that in place, how do you actually start to scale the revenue to them? And, and they'll sell those technology and capabilities um, to their own direct advertisers. And that's about 15% of our business, 10%, 15%. And the remaining 85% is we've aggregated them all into a single unique marketplace with massive scale. We see every user in North America every month and most users every day. And the idea is to basically enable, make it super easy at scale for basically advertisers to reach their audiences everywhere. How many publishers like Timing, People Magazine, Fortune Magazine are you working with? The lucky thing is because we've been operating for so long, we have virtually every single major media company or publisher save a small handful. So we have about 96, 97%. So what is that number though, out of curiosity? Um, it ends up being, I think we have a, about 300 properties uh, maybe across 60 to 70 major media companies and publishers. Interesting. And then take me to the other side of the marketplace equation. How many how many Proctors and Gambles have put money through your platform? We've been lucky. We have almost virtually every single one of the Fortune 1000 largest advertisers. Um, you know, we've been obviously operating for a very long period of time. And so to have such incredible partners like Procter and Gamble and Unilever and Target and, and Walmart and the carriers, we love AT&T and T-Mobile and Sprint and Verizon. Um, and then most of the retailers, and we've been very lucky to even work with like the Red Bulls of the world and um, some of the more, more interesting sort of newer brands like the Ubers, um, and hopefully we'll have even like the newest breaking online brands like Casper as well, uh, joining us on sort of our mission to sort of get brand advertising to look beautiful on the phone for each of their respective products. Okay, so the next question, now that we understand the marketplace, how do you make money? So we make money two ways. One is it's a technology play for our publishers. So we'll license that into them. Like a SaaS um, business model? Yeah, a SaaS business model. Um, it's not gonna be a monthly recurring just based upon usage receipts. It typically is integrated into the volume of uh, media that runs through the platform. So sort of closer to how an ad server bills um, or, or companies like uh, Moat would build. It's not just a flat rate, but it's actually based upon the volume of media that goes through the platform. And then the other way is basically we get paid either from a programmatic dollars perspective or from a direct dollars perspective 
Um, we take basically a percentage of the media that runs through the platform, but for that, you know, we provide a lot of services and capabilities that they couldn't get. Plus, it's the aggregation of all of the major media company inventory that they don't actually sell themselves directly into our platform to enable, you know, an advertiser to get massive reach and scale across trusted, you know, uh, I call premium places. And that's and that's the, the big thing is like, we turn down nine out of every 10 publishers. We're so focused on quality. We don't wanna have ad fraud. We don't wanna have problems with basically fake news. We don't wanna have problems with um, hate speech on our properties. And so we're really selectively curating who we work with so that advertisers know that this is, this is the gold standard. You run on us, you're running on the best properties, the highest end media properties. You don't have to worry about things like fake news and ad fraud and bots and all that kind of stuff. So Harry, what's the, what's the, what's the, I'm sure it's different for everyone that wants to work with you. It's probably individual negotiation based off volume, but on average, what cut are you taking? So it changes on a, on a per publisher basis, but we really see ourselves as partners with them. And so we try to basically have as, as even distributed partnership as, as we can. And it really comes back to what are the services that we're delivering? What's the value that we're delivering? Give me a range, Harry. Like if I put a million. Let me put it slightly differently. And this is probably the best way for us to put it. In a programmatic world, theoretically, you only have to bid one cent above your next competitor, right? And you'll win every single time. One cent above your next competitor, you'll win every time. We try to deliver CPMs to our publishers based upon the quality of the ad creative that we delivered and the fact that we've they've entrusted us to give us access to these super high-end properties. At least three to five X and sometimes 10 X higher from a CPM perspective to them than being able to sell their inventory on the open exchange. Yeah, I'm not, just to be clear, I'm not questioning, does it work? Your market penetration on the, on the, in the market, on both sides of the marketplace is huge. I'm just curious. I mean, are we talking 20% on average, 30% on average of spend? What's a range? We don't really disclose that numbers for, for obvious purposes because it's different. And then obviously some publishers will wonder why they're not getting this percentage versus that. So, so give me the biggest range, the low, person paying the lowest, the person paying the highest. So I think, I think the, the, the vision that we have is that basically we're in an equal, equal partnership when we're putting all these services together. So, okay. All right. Know, so I won't, I won't push harder, but it's a one-on-one -on -one negotiation with every person that comes to you basically based off what they want, what you can offer. It, the, the key is we've tried to make everybody on an even playing field. So apples to apples, if somebody's going to implement only these five things and somebody else is going to implement these five things, the rev share and the business model is exactly the same. So you have to bring something significantly different to the party for that revenue share to actually change. Got it. So since we don't know the cut number, maybe you can tell us this number. I mean, have you passed 70 million bucks in kind of annual you know, money put through your platform? I can talk about that. So okay. we announced in 2015 that we passed 100 million in annual revenue. And in the prior five years, we were growing at about 100% year over year. Got it. Um, we, we did have um, a slowdown in terms of double digit, not triple digit growth in 2016. And, uh, and 2017 is looking good as well. Um, but, you know, we, the, the big marquee mark for, for most of the market is when are you passing that $100 million threshold? And we did that back in 2015. You think you'll break $200 million this year? Um, not ruling it out. Come on, Harry. Um, 
I'm not ruling it out. We have to see how our back half does. All right. You know, I think our investments in certain things, this has been a big year for us to pivot on the programmatic basis. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is build the underlying technology that will actually enable programmatic direct and programmatic guaranteed. And that's new to the market. I mean, it's been around, people have been talking about it, but nobody's been scaling on that in any kind of real way. Yep. If we can become the market leader in terms of programmatic direct and programmatic guaranteed, and actually do back-end data integrations and creative implementations. We have this thing called the Ad Lab mm -hmm. that we try to bring to our biggest advertisers where we actually, the collab creates with them new and never been done before formats that we think will be transformative to the market. If we can actually, are, if we're successful in getting that collab up and running with a number of our large media company partners, we actually can transact those new formats, those never been done before formats programmatically. And that basically rolls into the market in this last quarter of this year. I think we're gonna see really significant, almost exponential growth going into 2018. Well, let's, let's certainly okay. hope. L last question here on the, on the business model. So you said you have partly tech SaaS model to publishers, and then partly obviously some cut of the more than 100 million going through your platform. Which right. one of those revenue models makes up more of your overall revenue? Yeah, so as I said, it's about 15 to 20% SaaS. Oh, I missed that, 85, sorry. 85% uh, media. But the real goal, I think, going into next year is, can we make the programmatic, and one of the things that differentiates us programmatically is that everybody does open. Cargo does not do open. We do private marketplace deals with the biggest and best advertisers because we want to maintain that quality level and we want the look and experience to be unique to what we can create and build on the mobile platform. And so those PMPs create a basically a brand new programmatic business that is in the marketplace today. Yep. Harry, we're running out of time, but just last few questions here. You said, mentioned earlier you had 100, 100 engineers. What's the total team size? So we're just under 300 people. I think we have about 275 plus people across the world. We have offices, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, um, smaller office in Detroit and Dallas and Minneapolis. And then we, we actually have a sizable office, our headquarters for internationals in London, and we have an office in Sydney. So it's been, uh, it's been a fun ride trying to get everybody coordinated across the globe. Um, and then we're also really excited, I think, going into the last quarter of this year in 2018, uh, around our partnership with NBC. Um, you know, we announced that earlier this year. Um, we're the only partner that I think that, that they don't have sort of control over uh, that's in their upfront. Um, we're actually built in as the mobile portal in their upfront. I think they just announced uh, a massive, uh, I think north of $6 billion number, $6.5 billion number in their linear TV upfront for this year. I think that came out yesterday. And so we're excited to see what percentage of that goes to mobile first and mobile forward thinking around video. We're, we're really excited about that. Um, but, but hopefully uh, we'll see that come through uh, toward the, the end of this year. And then Harry, have you bootstrapped this or have you raised capital? So, um, so this, is, uh, this is a bootstrap company. You know, we haven't- we Feels haven't good, right? Uh, feels good now. There were eight years where uh, <laughs> it was really tough. I mean, it was flat. It was literally, my wife was asking me, so you've been doing this for as long as you have. When are you going to go get a real job? So, <laughs> what were you doing before? Um, so when we started in our first sort of pivot, and I think that's really the most interesting story, we were trying to build software and services for operators. And what we found was that operators wanted to take 18 months to two years to test it before they paid you a dime. Yep. 
And, uh, you know, if you're in a small venture-backed startup, how are you going to go and last 18 months to two years, be building all this technology and not have any revenue? I just don't think that that's possible. And so we had to pivot from there to providing value-added services to operators that we did on a rev share basis. And that started us down the road of working with major media companies and publishers um, because they were providing their content that we were basically formatting and selling on a subscription basis with the operators and getting a piece of the subscription. And then when the iPhone came out, there was no subscription revenue for the operators anymore. So we were basically dead in the water and we expected the major media companies to sell their ads and to sell the ad inventory on their mobile properties. They didn't sell anything. And so we basically went to them and they said, we're gonna shut it down or we have to figure out how to do something else. And they turned back to us and said, well, if you're so smart, you sell the ads. You have exclusive rights, you own the ads, you sell it, good luck. Good luck with your mobile advertising. This is back in 2008. And we wish you all the best and send us a check if you can actually pull it off. And so, you know, from there it was, it's a tough two more years till about 2010. And then- uh, The rest you know, is history. And the rest is history. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere, your website's growing so fast, how'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator, I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator, and the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use, because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin, and guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. All right, Harry, let's wrap up here with the famous five. These are one-word answers. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Only the paranoid survive. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? I would say Elon Musk in terms of the pivots that he's made in his life. Um, you know, he's made huge bets. He took all his money from PayPal and reinvested in his future businesses to, the, to almost to the degree that he went bankrupt. That level of risk taking, I think is really interesting. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have like HostGator? Um, I love Skype and I'm using it right now. Uh, <laughs> we use Slack internally. Um, you know, and I, and, and there's a number of sort of, uh, I'm a, I'm a gizmo and new like product geek. And so there's, there's been a number of sort of, there's great product, like product content and a few others that are fun to, uh, to peruse when you have free time, which I don't really have that often. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I mean, I try to get seven to eight. Uh, I've been unsuccessful for the last uh, half a year or so. As we hear the, the New York sirens in your background, right? Exactly, the horns and sirens. Um, you know, so six I, hours. Six, I try to get six. All right, and Harry, uh, what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? So uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife actually has a sort of a phenomenally interesting rise as well. She's the uh, creator and star of Odd Mom Out on Bravo. <laughs> Very cool. This happened about uh, 14 years into our marriage. So um, so she's, uh, I'm really proud of her. And she had her launch of season three this week. So tune in on Mom Out on Bravo. We'll have to check uh, that out. Gonna, we'll link to that in the show notes, Harry. And we have three kids. We oh, have wow. uh, a 14-year-old, 11-year-old, and a nine-year-old. So it's a constant juggle to make it all work. And how old are you, Harry? And uh, I'm 42. Last question. Take us back 22 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um, it's going to be okay. Cause at that point when I was, uh, 
starting out and trying to make this work, it was really hard. You know, I think persistence um, and an ability to get through adversity is probably the biggest thing that I learned over my lifetime. I think if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, um, I can guarantee you, um, it's less than 1% of, of folks get it right the first time around. There's not a single business that I know um, that gets it right out of the gate. You're gonna have to pivot. We've had to pivot at least four times, probably five to be successful. And so um, just be ready to make that commitment and uh, and times will be tough, but hopefully it's gonna all be work out in the end. There you guys have it from Harry, founder of Cargo. It's all going to be okay. Launched in 2000 and hustled like heck for about a decade before seeing real traction. Now it's over 300 folks between New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, London, Sydney, many other places, totally bootstrapped. They have 96% penetration on the top publishers across about 300 properties who publish about 60 to 70 uh, major public locations. Uh, almost all of the Fortune 1000 largest advertisers use them as well. Twenty, About 20% of the revenue comes from a tech SaaS model to publishers. The rest comes from their kind of direct spend cut they take where they have almost, they had about 100% year-over-year growth from 2000 to 2015 when they passed 100 million bucks in total monies processed through their platform. Harry, thank you so much for taking us to the top. So really appreciate it. If you enjoyed Harry today, go back and listen to Irv Shapiro yesterday. He breaks down how his SaaS company went to $30 million and broke that in 2016 revenue and how he'll hit $40 million in revenue this year with his company Dialogue Tech.